Hello and welcome to The Art of Growth, where we use the Enneagram and the best tools we can find to help you transform. Today, Joel Hubbard, Suzanne York, and I, Jim Zartman, are talking about community, relationships, friendships, and making friends as adults. But before we get to that, I hope you've been to www.theartofgrowth.org. We have free assessments there to help you on your journey. And you can also sign up for our newsletter so you don't miss some of the extra content that comes out, like this week's email about, I wish I didn't care so much what others thought of me. Our weekly newsletter is the best way to keep up with what we're doing and what's coming up. And there's some cool stuff coming up. But for now, let's jump into this conversation that Joel, Suzanne, and I have about community. So I've run into so many people over the last few years who are saying things like, I don't have a community to do life with. Like, I don't feel like I've I've got people that I'm journeying with. And this was particularly in the context of personal growth and development and feeling like I'm doing all this work alone. But it was also cased in the larger context of uh, the sense of belonging to a group. Like, that is missing. And over and over again, people have said it's missing. And I would talk to people who were even part of churches who would mm-hmm. say, I'm in a church and I still don't feel that. Mm-hmm. Or I left the church because there were too many ancillary kind of, you know, there was agendas and all sorts of other things. And I just wanted to belong. I just wanted to have a group that I can do, you know, life with, that I can journey with. Um, and so that began to be it's just like that, that little you know, grain of sand in my oyster that's just sitting there like, this keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. So is this in the water right now across the country? (laughs) I think it is. And it's, I think it's going to get even become more of a topic when we're not working in the same office space anymore as we were. Mm. Well, and because more people, as we come back out of the pandemic, they're still not going to go back to the office five days a week. I feel like that has fundamentally shifted the expectation. And so the real-time consistent community or ability to be physically present with the same people on a regular basis, it's no longer in the workplace. It's no longer, even in church, church is still a moment in a week versus Mm -hmm. a constant feeling of community. Mm -hmm. You know, I think about when I was in college, I was constantly in community with people in my dorm. That's now really missing for us as adults. The random run-ins. That the you random get. run-ins yeah. and the and just the spontaneity. Yeah. And the ability to um, catch up on something and 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 even say like, hey, you told me the story two days ago. How did it turn out for you? Or like, what's what's new on on this piece of it? And instead, when you talk to someone that you haven't seen in a while and you say, hey, what's happening? Usually, you get a blank stare of like. I either need to give you a top line answer or I need four hours to fill you in on everything. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And, and yeah. so it's a super superficial question because we can't actually answer that when we aren't consistently and continually seeing each other in yeah. a really meaningful way. And you've named a few things that to me are just really, really brilliant pieces of community, like the spontaneity, the sort of like non-agenda space, you know, where we're just hanging out and we're having a, like, you know, if it's too agenda driven, people like, yeah, I show up and I do this and it's great, but it's almost like I'm trying to squeeze relationship inside this agenda casing, you know? Hmm. And uh, so you mentioned that, you mentioned like the, the follow-up, 
Right. Like, I'm checking, like you mentioned something to me and I'm actually thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And so there's the follow-up. And those signal to our minds, to our brains, those, even without a conscious thought, they signal connection. Yeah, they signal that I matter to someone That you else. matter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I take up space in their brain when they could be filling it up with other things or their heart or whatever, you know, analogy we want. Yeah, that's so good. And so these are some of the ingredients that are currently missing. And you mentioned the workplace now shifting. Mm -hmm. And the scary thing is that on one hand, it's really good that we're learning to be more efficient in some senses, perhaps, although that's still debatable as to whether that's actually efficient and, and effective. But you can see some pluses there, and that'll probably emerge more clearly in the years to come. But we're going to have to be more intentional um, about creating community because it's missing in even the dynamics that are normally social environments. The funny thing about the the gym right now that I go to, and everybody talks about this in the gym, is like the reason why a lot of us show up there is for the community piece. Like Ah. there's a lot of... I would watch guys and I would come in there and I'm trying to knock out my workout within the 60 minutes. Um, and if I play racquetball that day, then it'll be longer. But I'm trying to knock it out. I'm trying yeah. to get at it, right? And I would watch guys milling around and they would do one set. And then for the next 15, 20 minutes, they're talking yeah. with somebody else. Then yep. they do another set. And then another 15, 20 minutes and they're talking. And I would look at that and I go, what? They're not even working out. And I'm like, oh, I'm missing the whole big picture here. The point is that they're actually here to have connection because it's missing everywhere else. Yeah. Mm. And so the workout place becomes like a safe place and we all need that. So in one sense, it's like, yeah, there's an agenda and it's a casing, but so we're trying to squeeze in relationship. But then on the other hand, it is also a safe way of entering into doing relationship. It's like, I'm here to work out. But I really want to have connection and I really want to have these conversations and feel like I have a place of belonging. Yes. Mm. Some sociologists talked about how the worst thing to happen to relationship in America was the garage door. Because people would like just come home, pull into the garage, shut the door, and then they just never interact. You, You didn't see people. You didn't see your neighbors. And there's been this like continual isolation that has been going on in our culture for years now. So people are becoming more and more isolated. And there's this growing awareness that like, oh, this is not going to work. I had someone give me an incredible piece of advice a few years ago. And I think it was one of the most life directing statements. And he says, we're, you know, we all care about location, vocation, and relationship. That's the thing we're trying to figure out in our life. Location, vocation, and relationship. Um, for most people in our culture, it starts with vocation, really vocations top, you know, then location where do I want to be proximity to like either family or things that I like. Right. And then relationship, he said, the best decisions are made on the who hmm. the best decisions you will ever make are made on the who. And that has just stuck with me. And I was like, all of the best things that have ever happened in my life has been based on who. Why would that change? Mm. And this is for someone who like relationship has always been really central for me. Friendship has always been very, it's come easily for me. I've had, you know, so many people talk about how hard it is to make friends as adults. And that hasn't really been the case. But I'm still like, we still felt like something was missing. So just our journey this past year, I'll share about this with for the community piece because it's really on my heart right now, which was... We struggled to 
have community in our neighborhood. So like, I love that I get to sit down and talk to the two of you. That's always been really life-giving. I have my friend Jim and Laura, the three of us will sit down. So I have a couple like triads in my life that Mm -hmm. I feel are really life-giving or really great. But like, there is this, there was this piece on us that were like, it, like I can create it for myself. I always will, but it's not going to be as easy for my family. And especially not going to be easy for my kid who like, can't just like get on their car and go visit friends, right? Right. right. Uh, or even on their bike. So we didn't have it in our neighborhood. And we were visiting some really good friends of ours in um, DC who lived in Alexandria. And they lived in this like amazing neighborhood. And the kids would just show up at each other's houses. Like the whole time we're there, we're their guests. And there's still neighborhood kids popping in the whole time. Um, and they're chatting with the parents. And they have like walkie talkies so their kids can just like go into like different parts of the. Uh, neighborhood and my wife and I left that trip and we're like we need to move we Mm. need to be in a neighborhood that reflects this and because to me there's like I can create friendship I can create circles but community in this um, in a proximity thing started to grow for us like and to me that's sort of like the almost pinnacle-ish so since we've moved like three weeks ago there's like been so many different kids in our house because we already knew people in this neighborhood. There's been so many more like get togethers and like, oh, I'm going to be doing this thing. Like who wants to come and somebody will come. And this is something that has been such a high value for us always that, but I feel like we're just now kind of like living into. And I think for a lot of people, they're like, man, I just want to feel like I can talk to other people on a regular basis. So they'll go to the gym and they'll play a game and chat in between They'll join clubs in order to just find that community, which I think is actually a really healthy thing. Mm-hmm. So my my friend Jim, he he was he coaches people as far as who want to start dating, and he asked them a question like, "Well, where does this person hang out? Where do they shop? Where do they do this? Where do they that?" So this person, you know, ends up joining an REI class that they did this camping trip so that they could have this community, the camping trip, apps like Meetup, which I'm guessing took a major hit during COVID. Oh, they went virtual with a lot of them. Went virtual with a lot. Yeah. But this desire to like meet up in person, like all of this stuff is like, there's something that's literally psychologically healthy about just having, about having that and trying to create that and moving toward that. Yeah. And the continual opportunity to talk to the same people means you can move beyond the small talk. Yeah. Because there's so many types, so many people I talk to, whether it's instinct, depending on the instinct or the type, where small talk is just painful. I'm like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Well, if we live in community, you don't have to have that superficial small talk to be able to get to the good stuff. But if you aren't seeing people constantly, you're kind of in this realm of small talk. I think that people do want community, but I'm not sure that we all know how to do it. And I think that, you know, if you think about the groups that are all around us and you mentioned people in your own neighborhood and so on, and then folks that we've talked to at The Art of Growth who have said, look, I've, I would love to have a community, um, but there is a willingness for a lot of them to actually go into the deeper parts of what makes us connect. Like, for example... A little bit more vulnerability, a little bit more mm-hmm. transparency. You mentioned, how about a little receptivity? Like if there's right. something I want to do or you want to do for me, like the ability to say yes to that and to welcome that into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right? being willing to put forward what's going on in your life. Because yeah. again, if we don't see each other regularly, I have no way of knowing that something's happening with you unless you tell me, mm. which not a lot of people don't want to do that or just don't think about doing that. 
And so that's the one thing is how can we share more about what's happening in our lives Mm -hmm. in a way that invites people to just be there? They don't have to solve it. They don't have to do anything, but they can be with you in the moment. And then if there is an opportunity for them to, to lend a hand in some way, to take people up on it. Because I think for some reason we've lost that and we feel there's this fierce need to be independent and mm. and to not accept help. Yeah, I think we're protective though. I think it's a lot of it is like I'm trying to protect like I'm I'm scared to actually do that, you know, to to, to accept help? Yeah, to accept help or yeah. to be more vulnerable or to have a deeper connection, right? There's all kinds of things and like to take the guilt or the shame off of all of us here is like we haven't done this. Yeah, we and we're out of practice. We are out of practice. That's yeah. exactly what came to my mind. Like, well, yeah. the more we do it, the easier it becomes. Yeah. The less we do it, the harder it is. COVID only COVID only accelerated uh, what was already happening. It totally right? I mean, did. we don't. Or did just, it reveal it? It. I think probably that too. Like, like it's done so did much it increase to increase the awareness of it. Yeah. Oh, increase the. Awareness I think it did. Of yeah. Oh, oh, that we need that it. we are lonely. Well, I think the, the, in the beginning, I think some people are like, "This Relieved? is great." Yeah. There were some. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and the man, longer we've so been in it now i think it does reveal the desire the need i think it also illuminates that we are out of practice yeah, yeah. i'm wondering what you guys think of this because i i really wonder if for community to thrive like it needs a structure so like our our group coachings have been incredible because there's like a structure and it's like a, an intentionality and there's like a framework a spiritual community that's a structure and there's like mm-hmm. a rhythm mm-hmm. of meeting and stuff like that that creates a structure. If you live in the same neighborhood and you're kind of interacting like there, there's a, a location structure or there's a belief structure or there's an intentionality structure. And I wonder if that's actually a necessary component for creating any of this. Like even if you're going to the gym on a regular yeah. basis, like we meet at this time and I see these same guys, like there's a structural element yeah. that has to exist for the community to actually exist. And I'd love to add to that because I think it's more than one element. I'd love to add to that the idea of flow. So structure and flow. If I'm tracking where you're going, yeah. 100%. And that came up actually in our meeting uh, that Jim and I hosted with a bunch of people from the Art of Growth on creating community and social groups. Is like we need structure, but you also need some kind of freedom within that because people yeah. need to be able to be themselves, bring their, their mess to it. Mm-hmm. And too much structure squeezes that out, too much of the other, and then you you, yeah. you kind of start to feel a little anxious in the chaos of all that. But to also be able to like know that there's got to be some flow between those two at times yes. where there's a little bit more of one and a little less of the other, a little bit more of the other and less of the of the one. And that's one of the things that I think is the dynamic in the gym. It's like everybody comes in. The structure is there's a building. The structure is there's equipment. And there's the stru- a reason for being there. There's a reason for being there. Yeah. But you can also go, today, I feel like I need more conversation. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm you know, okay, I'm going to have a little bit more. And then I'm good today. I just need to work yeah. out a little bit, have some conversation. I think that's just the way we, we are as humans. We have to have that, mm. I think, that flow. Yeah. Is that what you mean by yes, structure and flow? Okay. Yep, yep. It's the formal and the informal. It's the container, mm. but the fluidity within it. Mm. Um, if the container's too big, then you're not going to have the opportunity to, you know, come mm-hmm. across each other, mm-hmm. but if it's too tight, too small, then mm-hmm. it's just too rigid. So there's, right. it's a both and in my mind. Um, okay. So to your point, you've got to have a, a reason for being, and that reason is structure in my mind. There's, it's that container, and then you've got to allow for things to emerge. 
yeah. without forcing it all. Yeah. There is that, but there's it's hard even in that because there is an intentionality, a communal piece that has to come into play at a certain point because this is one of the things about the isolation and what it's created and the problem it's created is that people pull back as soon as they have an issue. So when you're in real community, like you actually get support. And I think one of the reasons that people feel so lonely is even if they have friendships, they don't feel like they have support. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they actually can ask for stuff. So we put this survey out on Instagram like uh, several months ago where we said, what is the hardest thing to say? And we gave four options. A, I apologize. B, I need help. C, I trust you. Uh, D, I love you. And we asked for their type, and it didn't matter the type. The hardest thing to say was, I need help. And the thing is, if you're in a community, it's supposed to really be for mutual support and help. But the problem is, even though we have friend circles, we don't really have, like, supportive community. So, like, there's community, but then, like, actually supportive. And and you were sharing this. Like, you tried to provide support for a couple neighbors, and it was like, oh. Yeah, and it's the I need help I can see is really hard to do if someone offers you a concrete way that they can help you instead of, hey, let me know how I can help. But if they say something really, hey, let me do this for you, I'm seeing it's hard for people to accept the help, not only ask for the help. And by accepting help, you're creating that shared moment with someone else and that other person feels great and you feel hopefully good and supported. And so I'm seeing that as harder to come by. And maybe it's this moment, maybe it's me, maybe I'm not really sure. Mm. Um, But that support is a two-way street. You've got to be willing to accept it. It, You know, again, this comes back to the things that all three of us have talked about here at the Art of Growth is, you know, one of the spiritual practices is receptivity. Mm. Can you, in in the rhythms of, of giving and receiving, receiving and giving, giving and receiving, it's like the rhythm of that. It's so much easier based on our types to do the giving in some way because we're all going to do it differently. To do the receiving is really tough. Yeah. And we're not talking about the, you know, we've we've always got the people in our circles who tend to be vortexes. You know, they kind of yes. suck different, in the different energy. Scenario. Right, different. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about in terms of receptivity. Because yeah. actually those folks, and that's what we talk about, those folks actually don't receive. That's the problem. They just It just goes right through them. Oh, the ability to receive is the ability to metabolize the goodness that has come to, to you. Yeah. You know? So I think in community, that's a huge one you just you brought up. It's like definitely the support piece, um, you know, and the receipt, the ability to like give and actually somebody receive that. I think another one is celebration. Like mm-hmm. we want people to celebrate us, don't we? I mean, when we've done something well, something's gone well in our lives, who do we celebrate with? Yeah. Mm. I think about that. Like I like to celebrate things that I've, I've, I like to celebrate things, but then I, I like to also feel in the ways that I feel deeply seen and deeply known is when someone spots me doing something that I did well that I didn't even see that I did well mm. and can actually point that out. Say, yeah. you know, I just noticed you did this and like, way to go, man. Not flattery, but like really yeah, pointing yeah. something out. That's like huge yeah. because again, we feel seen in that way. So I, I don't know about you, but I to me, I think like celebrations. A, and I think we're good at ce- celebrating the milestones, but what I hear in that is we're not celebrating the moments. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So there's several things, man. It's like yeah. community, community requires. A lot. There's, there's a lot in there 
that's missing currently yeah. in our world and in our lives. And then, you know, how do we create this? How do we move towards that with some intentionality? Um, and to understand we're not going to do it really well because it just hasn't, we've not done it. Well, and we're all structured in our own homes and yeah. there's there is a physical separation among all of us yeah in a way that didn't always exist in the the yeah. village i think about and the village yeah, yeah. i know yeah. oh um oh i would go back to the village in a heartbeat yeah. <laughs> you said it with intentionality how do we create this the first is to want it uh, yeah yeah it's a good point well and, and it's to hard want to it, want but, something you haven't seen you haven't had a great uh vision of an experience of you haven't been that's like, true. oh, that's what that's it can look too. like. So, I think that's true. Yeah. And if we don't have examples on. of it, it's really hard for us to see because we think village, we think kind of like olden days, right? Yes, like, yes. Like, but what is the modern village? And I feel like I always knew like there's this is something missing. And I feel like it's something that I actually had really clearly as a kid uh, because our house was like this hub of the yeah. neighborhood. And I remember all of the neighborhood kids used to, like, come over because my mom would, like, bake bread and granola and cookies and, like, and all the wow. all the kids used to come and hang out at our house. And so there was this, like, inflow of the neighborhood kids that were kind of coming in. And that was a—so I got a picture of it. Yeah. Right? So I had an idea of it. There was—I think fear has, has really, really damaged community. So this is there's threats to community, and I think like the news and mm-hmm. um, some of the fear things that have come out. Yeah. So it, there was this huge thing in the '80s uh, when I was growing up about kidnapping. Like all all these people were super worried about kidnapping, and so everyone was like, "You don't know if there's like kidnappers on your street or yeah. the sexual predator thing or all of that kind of thing." And so people like pull their families back a little closer to kind of keep them safe, mm-hmm. and. I see this in kids. You see this in kids all the time. Like there's kids who are super cautious and like they won't try anything because they're afraid they're going to get hurt. And there's kids who like don't think nearly enough about that and they do just like really hurt themselves. And I'm like both of those extremes are a problem and you want to like pull both closer where you are cautious, but you are also like living and getting out there and trying things. And I feel like because there's been so much this – clickbaity fear-mongering in the news um, and so you're aware of all this negative stuff I think some of that has actually pulled us back from community but part of me just knows like this is not this is not right and mm-hmm. since we've moved there's been a, there's been a, some other parents kid in our house almost every day the last oh, few that's weeks beautiful and I'm going and I'm starting to remember my own childhood more yeah and I'm going oh this. This is what this rhythm takes because it's like, oh, we ran into you on the street and, oh, do you want to stop by? And like, oh, let's walk the kids down to get ice cream or like, yeah. uh, like I'm going to do this. I'm going to go jump and paddleboard. Do you want to try it? Like I've yeah. got an extra one. Things like that. Yes. Um, and that's the spontaneity. And that's and, the spontaneity, yeah. And I see what you're saying about you You knew it, like you said, from your childhood, but it took seeing your friend's neighborhood yeah. to remember it and envision it for yourself. Yeah. And I feel like I've been looking for it. We tried to create it in Cincinnati when yeah. we lived out there. Like, I've been working to try and create it my whole life. Mm-hmm. And everywhere I've ever been, I've built some kind of a community of people that has got together and spent time together. It's always been a thing that's at the forefront of my mind. But it's never quite hit because you have to have the spontaneity. You almost need some of the proximity. You mm-hmm. need the intentionality on top of it. Like, already, I think other people are hanging out more because we're more intentional 
with yes. them than they've been with each other. Like, and are you finding you're talking about this? Like, I've never actually talked with my neighbors about the desire for more community. I wonder. I wonder if I put it out there and said, oh, yeah, you know, have. we have such, yeah. So you're you're using language around this versus mm-hmm. my desire is going unspoken. So, of course, it can never be, I don't know, shaped and met and some, mm-hmm. something's yeah. coming up for a recognition in me that I've never had this conversation with people. Mm. Hmm. I don't think most of us ever have. I mentioned in the last episode about haunting, and I feel like that's what it's been for me is this haunting. Like, I I know that I have to. I need this. It's that's a, what I, yeah. It is. It's a longing. Yeah. It's like, I know this can exist. I know that I need this. And I know that, like, my kid really needs this. Right? I think about that for my kids all the time. That's the biggest. Because they're only, especially during the pandemic, they were only exposed to my husband and myself for a long time. Yeah. Now, we are, that's not the complete picture. I want them to see different adults in different arenas and be taught different things and and recognize that they can rely on others outside Mm -hmm. our family. Like, yeah, the kids, it's, oh, there's a big part of this for me, clearly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny. I've talked to several parents, too, who have told me that the kids who were born um, like right before the pandemic started, you know, that are like now two. Yeah. I've had a few different ones now that I've talked to who are saying that that kid's language skills is really struggling because they've only been interacting with the home family. Interesting. It, and we sometimes don't verbalize as much when we're all hanging out together. Right. Cause... But they're not out hearing as much. Yeah. They're not out like watching interactions as Fascinating. much. And so these two-year-old kids, their verbal communication skills are really behind. Well, in our reading, even communication being more than verbal, our ability to read body language, to Social, read, yeah. oh, facial, read cues, expressions. facial expressions, oh, all yeah. of those things have taken a big hit. And that's been going on for COVID, again, that accelerated or what, however we want to say it and think about it. But prior to that point, because of the lack of community, people have lost, we've all lost our ability to really... Like, you, Jim, you mentioned um, the 80s and this whole kidnapping fear. Mm. And what we began to do is isolate. And that ha- was happening from the development of the suburbs. And yeah. when the suburbs developed, people began to pull away and isolate. Yeah. And therefore, we trusted the news to tell us about our neighbors more than we actually trusted ourselves to actually know our neighbors. And the result was that we began to become more neurotic around relationships, around social groups. And you would think that the that our ability to read because now we're pulled away would maybe people would have felt like they could they could judge better because they're getting the news and the information about their neighbors and about the people around them. And our ability to discern is gone way low. Yeah. And so now we trust everybody else to tell us and you know, the experts so you know, on TV or on social media or wherever else. The truth is that the way to return to that would be is to actually do it. It's actually practice community. And then our trust will rise and our ability to discern safe from unsafe will also get better. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's it's just it it is a lot of it is is getting back into into doing it. Um, But I think that having a picture of it is very helpful as we started to talk about, like having a picture of it and seeing it in our minds and being able to imagine what that would look like. So are you saying that as people have pulled back from relationship and as a way to protect themselves, it's actually diminished their skill of being able to spot what is what's actually dangerous? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many people have we talked to, coached, who might be talking about a relational challenge 
And our work oftentimes is to help them understand that some of that is their perspective, their viewpoint, their type, their the way they're seeing things. And then like others that they're not even aware that are probably toxic to them. It's like, mm. well, you know, did you notice how this person only ever receives and there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing ever coming back your way? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like the social, you know, back to the days of the village. Yeah. You, you would have, you would have seen it much more clearly and much mm-hmm. more quickly besides having others in your family and close friends and people that are with you to say, because hey. the whole village knows who's the idiot is. Yeah, the village exactly. <laughs> the village idiot. <laughs> the village idiot. Everyone knows. Funny. Like, oh, you can't you can't take Mary a casserole. She'll just like throw it at your face. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like people talk about them <laughs> as primitive, but they're not primitive. They were pretty no. smart. I mean, right. they knew how to read people pretty quickly. Oh, like, yeah. you know, what's your agenda? What are you here for? Is it, that stuff is is uh, you know we've lost a lot of it, I think. But we can return to it by the practice. I think of. You know, getting back into community and, you know, having more conversations around this would be helpful for us to think about the ingredients. What goes into having a vision? What is the vision of community? What does it look like? What are the ingredients in it that help to create good community? And I think, to your point, Jim, proximity, you mentioned one of those. I think that's a key thing, like Mm -hmm. proximity. Uh, For now, even having Zoom connections is better than nothing yes but if we can to to also start to move more towards in body in person you know when it's safe to do so and doing it safely but doing that as well i think is key but that's the tough part for me right now as you suzanne jim you know you've you've definitely further along in this space but it's difficult for me to actually create that in space for spontaneity like you actually have to have Mm -hmm. proximity for spontaneity it's just not something you can beat yourself up for not having if your environment isn't conducive to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we come home and, you know, we don't have, we're not in a neighborhood style kind of thing. So we're on a main street and there's only houses next to us, but nothing in front of us and not much behind us. So we come home and that's it. You know, there's, there's very little in terms of the interactions with these neighbors. And yet I think to myself, there's still some intentionality I can take. And so like thinking more about what are some steps we can do to now create more deliberately these interactions with people. So, yeah, I think that's very true. The The piece that, that stands out for me is it's kind of a, a different dynamic than we've talked about, but I'm curious about the role of two working parents mm-hmm. in community now. And what I think where I'm going with this is I see it in myself I'm not with the kids all day long, so the evenings and weekends are so precious that I want to be with family. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side, it also means that I'm not reaching out and, uh, you know, being as spontaneous or I'm I'm solving for everything in my family, my neighbor solving for everything in their family. Well, what if we pulled some resources and helped each other? But because we're otherwise occupied, we're not finding as much of those times to to come together and, t- and talk in different ways. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've sort of lost the track of what I was saying, but I, something's coming up for me around this idea that our blocks of time are so different than they were years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's very good that you you say that because I, th- I can imagine, you know, a number of folks who are saying that's great, uh, but here's my reality. You right. know, my reality is 
this, 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 and this. And, you know, when am I going to do this? You know, um, when am I going to carve out time for community? I'm a single parent. Yeah. And so how do I, how do I carve out time for community? I don't have that time. I have time to just work, take care of the kids and re- repeat that the next day, you know. And that is what it feels like is a, a repetition. Yeah. And so in any investment needs to have the un- the belief that there's going to be a return on that investment. Yeah. And so that's, I think, what we would need to create first is an understanding of, hey, doing this is intended to make things easier. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's what it comes down to is it is it does actually make things easier mm-hmm. when you have that. When your kid can be like, can go home and hang out with that kid for a while and you have an extra couple hours that you're not having to manage like that time, it is hugely beneficial. But it's hard because it takes time to build that trust. It takes a rhythm of like, I've been around this person for a couple of years, so I know kind of who they are and I understand how they work with their family and there's there's shared values here and here and here and all of that stuff. It does. It takes sort of time and, and energy to, to witness that. And I just like that, you know, the last two weekends in a row, both of you have brought your whole families down. We've all like hung out it's on the beach. Amazing. And it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like there's no agenda. We're there for hours. The kids are actually outside. They're running around. They're not on devices. They're not on technology. They're like, they're like yeah. playing and they're doing things and they're playing in the water. And it's, and it's great. Like that kind of stuff is like, okay, it has a structure. Like it's all in a location. <laughs> The location is pretty contained because you you're everyone's just staying on the beach. Yeah, you can. The see. water's here. <laughs> the, yeah, there's like you can see that where everyone is. The adults can have conversations. The kids get to play and be kids. And and I'm like these these are little microcosms. Just feel like okay, now how do you create more of this? Like I think you know having some of these parents that have been on like group coachings or whatever, like it's their time and mm-hmm. it's time for them that they take for themselves. And I think that's amazing and that's beautiful. But there's like the realm of self and how do you honor that? And there's the realm with your most intimates, like your family, and how do you really honor that? But this this missing component is how do we how do we honor the wider network? There's one book called The Strength of Weak Ties or, or The Strength of Loose Ties, something like that. But it's about like the the looser network, the people you know, yeah. and how beneficial that can be. And I think you nailed it when you said the first step is to want it. The first step is to go. I spot what's missing because once I spot what's missing, I can start looking and I can start looking for ways to create it. And some people are really good at creating it. You're just mm-hmm. natural. You're going to gravitate. People are going to gravitate towards you. You're going to be great at creating it. Some of you aren't. And so you're going to look towards someone who is yes. and see what they're doing. Like, it's really funny when I think back to the house we are living in now and the neighborhood and the friends and all this stuff. And we were in that play group, uh, our first year here. So we were, that was five years ago. And it all happened because we saw this family at at a restaurant that we were sitting close to. And they had a a kid that was close to our daughter's age. I was like, I want to be friends with them. So I literally struck up a conversation with the next table at the restaurant. They invited us to our play group. And all of those people are like the people who are our friends. It was through one of the friends that I met in that group that I ended up in this studio, uh, that I ended up surfing, (laughs) and I'm now living in their house. (laughs) Like, that's where we moved to. All of that because at a restaurant one day, I was like, I want to talk to them. Yeah. And then they invited us. Well, you know, what's what's not lost on me is that New England is a really strange place. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that the stories that we have. So you, I say this because you were a transplant. Yeah. I don't think people who grew up in New England necessarily talk to the person in the restaurant table next to them. And you left New England to go to D.C. where you saw this neighborhood. Yeah. And you saw the village. Uh, I call it a village. But you saw your vision of a community. Yeah. I just had a friend move away from outside of Boston to Portland, Oregon, and I asked, "How are the kids doing?" And she said, "Amazing. We're in this we're in this neighborhood with tons of kids. They've already made a whole bunch of friends. Right. They come in and out all day long because that's an area where there's also a whole bunch of transplants." Yeah. So I'd be fascinated to hear outside of New England, like, what's it like? Hmm. Yeah, there's pockets everywhere. That's what's fascinating. Yeah. And it's almost like if you have this desire, you have to find the pocket. Um because mm. there is something weird like Speaking of New England, for people who don't live here, it's like New England has this dual kind of thing. Um, it's either like piss off <laughs> until I know you really care and then I'm all the way in. Right. Like that's sort of the – it feels like the attitude in New England that I've – that I keep running into. Yeah. It's just like I don't care what you think at all but – and because I don't really know. You got to really break invest. in. Don't small talk me. Like, yeah. But once you break in, they're – Oh my gosh, I've been looking for this. Yeah. But I think every location has its nuances that – are a little bit more, um, you know, they're quirky. They're quirky to that location. <laughs> and there are pockets everywhere, though. Sure. So if you start with a desire and then you look for those pockets and you look for those little locations and you look for it based on um, what it is you're looking for, like you'll probably come across something. But it takes that sort of building towards that. And we know that these are going to be the different elements of it. But I think we're going to be moving more and more towards greater community because I think we're all starting to feel a greater need for it. So thank you so much for joining us this week. And maybe pull out your phone and text somebody now that you could connect to. That would be a good connection that you know would have a positive impact. And just say, hey, can we chat can we get together most of us are longing for somebody to do that so take a step of growth and be that for somebody today make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss all of the good content we got coming up including the next panel season that we are working on go to theartofgrowth.org to sign up for the newsletter or try out a one-on-one coaching session with one of us it's really simple. Just from the website, you can jump on and schedule with Joel, Suzanne, or I and have a one-on-one session. And if you're at a moment of decision and you're needing a breakthrough in a particular moment, it's a great thing to do. But for this week, my friends, may you tune into the relational energy that you bring into the room. May you be intentional about the kind of relational energy you want to interact with, the kind that is a gift from you and the kind that feeds your soul. May you love well and be bold in friendship, bold in something in our culture that we long for and need to increase not only our awareness, but how we prioritize our time. Be aware of those who are maybe in your circle of influence that you need to draw a little closer. Grace and growth, my friends. <laughs>